Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's uh, first of all look to God in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for what can we say except that we're a grateful people, Lord. We don't deserve all that you give us. We don't deserve this Bible that we hold in our hands, crafted in heaven, written on earth, and delivered to us this morning. We thank you, Lord, for your precious word. Lord, as we read it, we give you the honor for having written it in Jesus' name. Amen. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and there was a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his son, his wife, and his two sons. And the name of that man was Elimelech. And the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilian, Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. They came into the country of Moab and continued there. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. She was left her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about 10 years. And Melian and Kilian died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. Wherefore, she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on their way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return, each of you, to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you might find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and wept. They said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Naomi said, turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. They lifted up their voice and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people, unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die. There will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part me and part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem. Stop there. Now, in our studies in the book of Ruth so far, we've seen how God has been painting pictures. This is a book of pictures for each, for each of us to consider these special characters. The word in verse 1 set the course for us that described the first one, which is Elimelech, as a certain man, it says. And with that, 
God has set that tone for us for the book of Ruth. It's going to be one certain person after another certain person. We saw Eli Melech, a certain man that had certain troubles in his life, and a f- troubles of famine, troubles of having to provide for his family, troubles that led him to make certain decisions to forsake the land of promise and to go into this heathen land of the enemies of the Jewish people, the Moabites. And we saw how he died. And we saw how that left this certain woman, his wife, Naomi, with this feeling of desolation and vulnerability from those words we saw in verse 3 where it says, and she was left. And then we saw two certain men, which were her sons, named Malon and Killian. And we saw how in verse 4, how they tried to pick up the pieces of a crumbled life, of a family that was shattered by the death of their father, as it says in verse 4, and they took them wives. And there was this great problem because we saw in verse 4 that their wives were women of Moab. And we saw those two wives as certain persons now are merging before us, Orpah and one named Ruth. And with the problem of a father who died and wives who were Moabites, we saw how the family tried to settle in, as we read in, we read in verse 4, and they dwelt there about 10 years. And again, that Hebrew word for dwelled is the same yashav that we saw in the study of Genesis, and that the word means that they really tried to settle in, tried to make this their home. The feeling of comfort, of safety, it's the same word as we saw in 90, Psalm 91, verse 1. He that yashav, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And in the end of verse 4, it really looked like the trouble and the tragedy was behind them now. You know, the Eli Melech family had seemed to really pick up, and death was behind them, and everyone looked forward to a new life, but for some unknown reason, we don't know. These two sons, strangely, Mal and Killian, they don't have any children, and we saw in verse 5, this double tragedy hits again with the words, and Malon and Killian died also, both of them. So at the end of verse 5, Naomi is hit so hard when it says, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. So now it's just too painful for Naomi. She can't stay there anymore. And she's, she has nothing. She's been reduced to poverty. She's like a beggar almost. And she figures better to beg among my own Jewish people rather than among the enemy of the Jewish people, the Moabites. So from verse 6, Naomi hears how God has visited the Jewish people, giving them bread, and so she leaves to return back to Israel from the land of of Moab. Now, this is where we pick up the history today, in verse 6. And we see from verses 6 and 7, her daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth, are described with this word, these two great words, they're with her. And they really looked to be with her, it says in verse 6. Then she arose with her daughter-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. And verse 7, wherefore she went forth out of that place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, with her. And they went on their way to return to the land of, of Judah. It's being emphasized to us that they were with her. They were together with her. They're loyal to her. They love Naomi. They care for Naomi. They're going to stay with Naomi. They're not going to leave Naomi. And when we come to the end of verse 7, we find Naomi with her two daughter-in-laws with these wonderful words. They went on their way to return to the land of Judah. 
So look, it's a great party of me. They've had hardships, but they're together. It's a party of three. Naomi and her two loving, loyal daughters-in-law are already on the way back to the land of Judah. Now, in verse 6, there starts a theme that runs through almost every verse of this chapter. And that theme is expressed by one Hebrew word that appears no less in this chapter than 14 times. And it's the word return, or go back, or it's the word shuv in in Hebrew, it's the word shuv. And this word, shuv, is in verse 6, 7, 8. 10, 15, 16, and it's translated by the word return. It's in verse 22, translated by the word returned. It's in verse 11 and 12, translated by the word again. It's in verse 11 and 12 again, second time, translated uh, as the word turn. It's in verse 15, translated the word back. It's in verse 21, translated by the word brought. And it's in verse 15, translated by the word gone. Now, when we write something, we try not to use the same word over and over again. It doesn't look good. You know, we look at that and we say, well, where's my synonym? I can't use that word. I already have a different word. But if we saw in English what's seen in Hebrew, the same word used 14 times, we'd say, all right already. I got it, you know. And after the 13th time, God says, no, you didn't get it. <laughs> you know, I'm put it down there one more time and make sure you get it. We need to, and so he puts it in there 14 times. And it's the use of this word, 14 times. It makes it very clear that in chapter one here of Ruth, the theme is all wrapped up in this word, to return, or shuv. And in this chapter, we see that God is painting a picture for us of what does it mean to return, because that's the Hebrew word for repent. And so it means to turn around, it means to go back, it means to return. And the first word, the first time where we see this word used is here in our, in our verse, verse 6, where it says, then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might shuv, she might return from the country of Moab, because she had heard how the Lord had visited his people and given them bread. So in this verse, we've already got now a beautiful picture that God is painting for us of what it means to repent. Naomi had thought about the decision that was made by her husband to leave God's promised land. Well, we don't know. Maybe she made that decision too with her husband. Anyway, it's better we don't have all the conflicts recorded between husband and wife in the Bible and be a much longer book. (laughs) Anyway, but she had thought about this decision to leave God's promised land for the land of Moab, and she concluded it was wrong. It was wrong. And now it says that she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return. She might go back. She might shoot from the country of Moab. So verse 6 says that. And then so it's a picture for us. It's a beautiful picture for us of repentance. When a person, when he repents of his sin, what happens? He comes to the conclusion, I made wrong decisions. That was wrong. I want to go back like the prodigal son, where he sees himself. He, we see him there, and he looks at his life. He sees himself, and he looks at himself as he rehearses how he left his father's house. And he goes through this mental process where he says, that was wrong, and he sees, he, he visualizes himself going back again. That's all we see in Luke 15, 17 through 18, where it describes it. He says, he came to himself. And he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and despair, and I'm perishing with hunger. 
I'll arise and go back to my father. You see, he's visualizing the whole thing. I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. See, he came to himself, he said, and then he arose, and he, that's repentance, to go back. He's a picture of repentance, the prodigal son is. And another graphic picture of this repentance is seen in the life of Jonah. With Jonah, the whole book of Jonah, we come up with chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, arise, get up, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come before me. So you see, God said, arise and go. And then in verse 3, it says, but Jonah rose up to flee. He got up all right. He went up to run away from the presence of the Lord. And so what happened in verse 17 of Jonah 1? It says the Lord prepared this great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And then in the next chapter in Jonah 2 verse 10, it said the Lord spake to the fish and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And then it says in the next chapter, chapter 3, Jonah 3 verses 1 through 3, it says the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. Thank God for the second times in our lives, saying, arise, same message, go unto Nineveh, that great city, preach unto it the preaching I bid thee. But this time, verse 3 says, chapter 1, verse 3 said, Jonah ran away. But this time, chapter 3, verse 3 says, Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And then he was a great, great city of three days' journey. That's a picture of repentance. It's all about the second time. You know, the first time, you know, when uh, Joseph was the first time and Joseph was the brother and they wanted to kill him. And then it's, and then as, and as Stephen says, he says, then the second time when he revealed himself to him, then they repented and they kissed him. Now, anyone who hears the gospel and turns away from God and then he sees he's gone the wrong way and he wants to go back to God, that's good. God says, that's good. And the Lord Jesus Christ said in Luke 13, 3, I tell you, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. All right, so here they are. They're going back to Judah, and we see Naomi do something very surprising. We say, why does she do this? In verse 8, it says, Naomi said unto her daughters-in-law, Go, shuv, return each of you to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Now, Naomi's husband took Naomi out of the promised land. Naomi lost her country. Naomi's husband died. Naomi lost her husband. Naomi's two sons died. Naomi lost her two her children. And Naomi was left of her two daughter-in-laws, and they're going with her, as we've seen. And she seems to be so depressed, I can't understand why she does this, but she turns to her two daughters-in-law, and she commands them, in verse 8, go, return each to her mother's house. She's in such a terrible frame of mind that she pushes her daughters-in-law away from her. She doesn't do this gently, as in, why don't you consider and think about if you really want to come, and uh, maybe you'd really like to go back. It's maybe much nicer in your mother's house. I think it'd be best for you if you just went back. She doesn't do that. She's very forceful. She said, I'm ordering you, go back to your mother's house. And she says, go return each to her mother's house. It's a very strong push that Naomi is giving them. And it's for sure that Naomi's daughter-in-law called Naomi mother. 
Later on, she calls them daughter. But she, so they call her mother. But in verse 8, Naomi says to them, go return each to her mother's house. So Naomi is saying to her mother's-in-law, I'm not your mother. You only call me mother because of the marriage to my sons. Well, my sons are dead. And that means that you're no longer to call me mother. So she's saying to her daughters-in-law, it's over. With the death of your husbands and my sons, I'm no longer your mother. You're no longer a part of the family. You revert back now. You are Moabitess people. Go back to Moab. Go back to your real mothers. And notice how in verse 8, when Naomi refers to the mother's house, with that, Naomi is saying to them, your mothers have a house. I don't have a house. Go back to your mother's house. See, that was really strong on Naomi's part. She's pushing her daughters-in-law. Naomi showed them that she wasn't angry with them, but she was thinking of them and making it very clear that I don't want you to follow me back to Judah. I don't want you to do that. She was making that very, very clear. And she wasn't mad because then she goes and gives them a blessing in verses 8 and 9. And she says in, in, in verse 8, the Lord deal kindly with you as you've dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you'd find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. So here's the blessing of Naomi. Here we see in this blessing, Naomi gives to them, she prays for them, the Lord deal kindly with you. Naomi was speaking of a very special kindness that comes only from God. That, that Naomi said that her daughters-in-law had showed that very special kindness to her sons, which Naomi in her, in, her, in her very typical, encouraging, upbeat manner called the dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> Naomi should be a motivational speaker, right? <laughs> but Naomi also told her daughters-in-law that they had shown this very special kindness from God to her. And that very special kindness that Naomi was referring to comes from a Hebrew word that Naomi used here, it's translated kindly in verse 8, and that's the word chesed. Chesed is this tender, loving kindness. It's this loving favor. It's a word that goes, that you see all throughout the scriptures, this word chesed. And sometimes it's got adjectives that go in front of it that kind of like really give you the flavor. Like in Psalm 17, 7, where it says, show me thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand. So it's marvelous there because it's not expected. Today, it was a Carissa, when she quoted the Psalm, remember what she said? Oh, how excellent is thy loving kindness. That's another adjective that goes with it. Sometimes it's translated as the word mercy, and then it's always, and then you sometimes you see that word tender, tender mercies, excellent, tender chesed, excellent chesed, marvelous chesed. It's the chesed love of God that's expressed in the New Testament by John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, it's for so God so chesed. He so loved the world. It's expressed by that. And that's that tender, loving kindness to the world. He showed this favor, loving favor to the world when he gave his only begotten son. Other verses that, that are really talking about this chesed is loving kindness is in Titus 3, 4. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior appeared uh, toward man appeared. First John three sixteen. Hereby perceive we 
the chesed, the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. 1 John 4, 9, and this was manifested, the love of God, this chesed, toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might through him, we might live through him. Life comes to us because of the tender mercies of God. That's what Naomi was praying for her daughters-in-law, that they would find this chesed loving kindness of God that would bring them to a saving faith in Jehovah Jesus. And that was the name that she used, Jehovah, when she was referring to God in this blessing. So it shows that in this Family life, which we're really now privileged to go inside the door of and sit there and watch the family. We see in this family life, Naomi spoke freely and openly to her Moabite daughters-in-law about how God is love. God is chesed. And so here Naomi was different, as we saw from Lot, when he spoke seriously to his sons-in-law about God, when he tried to get them to leave Sodom in Genesis 19, 14, it says, he seemed as one that mocked unto his son-in-law. Naomi did not seem as one that mocked when she talked to her daughters-in-law about God. Lot seemed as one that mocked because he didn't care enough for his daughters-in-law, for his sons-in-law to speak to them seriously about the Lord. In contrast to Naomi, who loved them and cared for them and spoke seriously to them. She loved, Naomi loved her daughters-in-law, and she had taken the time in the past to speak to them seriously. She had told them without doubt how Moses had said in Deuteronomy 33, 27, the eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And Psalm 90, verse 1, that prayer of Moses where it says, Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. She told them. She told them this. So when Naomi spoke to her daughters-in-law about the chesed love of God, these daughters-in-law understood what Naomi was talking about. That should be the case with us. That should be how we are perceived. We should have the reputation among our relatives of being the one who's talking about God. Being the one who speaks about the Lord. When our relatives think about us, they should think, oh yeah, he's the one who talks about the love of God. He's the one who talks about how God became a man and died for our sins. And when our in-laws think or talk about us and our children think about us, when our grandchildren think about us, they should think of us. They're the ones who are gonna talk about God. Our grandkids should see us and think to themselves, here comes grandpa, here comes grandma. I'll bet he's gonna tell us something about the God in the Bible. That's the focus of the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, 4, 7, 4 through 7, where it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy might. These words which I command thee this day should be in thy heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently, I mean seriously, to thy children. Talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. It's exactly what Naomi was doing here. Exactly what she did. She's teaching her daughters-in-law diligently about the chesed love of God as she revealed, she revealed his word to them. And by the way, Naomi was quite down. She was very depressed. And she thought that everything had gone wrong in her life. She lost her land, her husband, her two sons, her opportunity to have grandchildren. And now she's trying to lose her daughters-in-law. Unbelievable. 
And as far as Naomi is concerned, nothing could be worse. You remember I told you the difference between the pessimist and the optimist? The pessimist always says no. The optimist always says yes. So the pessimist says, no, it can't get any worse. And the optimist says, yes, it can. <laughs> well, this is Naomi. <laughs> She's got this low point in her life, very, very low. And she's thinking everything has gone wrong. And she thinks at this point that since she came into Moab, everything has gone wrong. She thinks everything has gone wrong since her deceased husband made that terrible decision to leave Israel and go to Moab. And she thinks she followed her husband to Moab, and what happens? He dies. And then her sons die. And she's got no grandchildren. She's reduced to poverty. She thinks that All things have worked together for bad, for evil. All things have worked together for evil, for me that loves God. That's what she's thinking. But it's not true. It's not true. Because in verse 8, we see Naomi is speaking to two Moabite daughters-in-law, two Moabite women about the love of God. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship. 